Good morning to each one. What a blessing to have God as our Father, as we sang in that song. From all evil things, he spares them. Do we believe that? Do we speak it? Do we claim the promises of God in his word to us this morning? I'm thinking of what to share for a message. I suppose most of you heard that the nation of Israel is at war. I went to bed Saturday evening, yesterday evening, with that understanding, with that knowledge. Um, from the reports I got, it was an unprecedented, unprovoked attack by Hamas upon Israel. Um, I don't know how much you follow the news or put significance upon Israel. Also notice there was a, uh, an earthquake in the western part of Afghanistan. Very significant earthquake, over 2,000 died. And so I think it should stir our hearts, the events that we see in the world, not to cause us to, to fear, but to cause us to prepare and to think about the Lord and what he is doing in the world, what he can do for the church and in our hearts here this morning. You know, in Genesis, all the way back in Genesis, there were nations that were in the world. There was the Amorites, there was the Canaanites, there was the Havites, the Pharisites, the Jebusites. And God called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, I'm going to drive out all these nations from before you. Well, the one nation that still stand is Israel, the Israelites. All those other nations, they're gone. Does God speak through present day events? The nation of Israel. Turn, if you would, to Jeremiah 31, verse 35. Jeremiah 31, 35, thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Verse 37, thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and if the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. If the heavens above can be measured. Right there you have a good verse to refute the, the flat earth theory. Where, you know, there's a, a lot of people that a growing number of people that subscribe to that theory that the earth is flat and this is a, um, a hoax and a, and a conspiracy that things are not what we're told or, or we could, could believe and they even try to base some of this on the word of God. But, you know, Israel is um, 
is an historical nation. I believe it still has significance today. And, and the Lord calls us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and, and the, the atrocities that are, are happening, maybe even now as we speak. I think it's, it's good for us to lift our hearts in prayer. Concerning the, the uh, state of the world, Wars and rumors of wars that Jesus spoke of. And I think maybe he was speaking of that as it relates to wars that come against his people at that time, Israel. I thought of another thing as relates to things that come into our life. The story of Elijah and God called Elijah out of that cave. He had fled from God. And it said the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind. It rent the mountain. It broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But it said the Lord was not in the wind. And then there was a great earthquake, and it said the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there was a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, there was a still, small voice. And I thought, you know, the application that could come from that is the, the earthquakes we face in our life. Maybe they, we think God is trying to speak to us through that, and, and maybe he can. But I think it's as we hear the still small voice of God, as we take time to hide in the shadow of the Almighty, under the shadow of his wing, and make him our refuge in the secret place of the Most High, the quietness of that time is when we can hear the voice of God. I had to think of um, some highlights in the past week that have might just make note of. It's it's been kind of a busy week that you know we had the communion Monday night. We had uh, a Blue Ridge ministerial meeting here at the Pike Church in the basement, and some devotional thoughts were shared there. Um. You know, Ellis shared a few things that I thought I might just highlight again for us. In his message, the communion message last Sunday, he spoke of the subject of the atonement. And he brought out how the word atonement, at least in your King James Version, it's only mentioned once in in the New Testament. It appears a lot in the Old Testament. And so, um, yeah, Ephesians 5 verse 11 It talks about the atonement, whereby we have received the atonement. And since it only appears once, it it gives you the impression that, you know, it signifies, illustrates the one-time nature of Jesus' sacrifice to us. He entered once into the holy place. He he gave a sacrifice that took care in one one, moment. time a one-time nature of that work and so you have atonement one time in the in the now now a lot of that is due to the to the translators of the king james versions i understand they they put the word atonement in there most of your other translations would have the word reconciliation but you know it's one little tidbit i think um, that could speak to us in that way a picture of the one-time nature of Jesus' sacrifice. 
And then he also spoke about the scapegoat, the two goats. One was sacrificed and killed. The other was let go. The scapegoat was um, let go into the wilderness. But in that ceremony, it said that the high priest Aaron would lay both his hands on the goat, on the head of the goat, and confess all the sins of the children of Israel, all their iniquities, all their transgressions, putting them upon the head of that goat. And then the goat was sent away by the hand of a fit man. In other words, someone who was athletic, who was able to take that goat a long way, far away, into a land not inhabited. And so I think that's a picture of God removing our sins as far as the east is from the west. It communicates the absolute goneness, is that a word, goneness, of that sin. It is vanished. It is removed. I invite you to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7, 7 through 12. God says this, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is, a, this is a, an Old Testament passage being quoted in Hebrews that comes from Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, 31. So uh, an easy way to remember this is Hebrews 8, verse 8, Jeremiah 31, 31. It corresponds. And, and by the way, this is, I understand, the longest Old Testament quote that's found in the New Testament. So I think that should lend some significance to it. But the Lord says in verse 9, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them out, by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities while I remember no more. That's the longest Old Testament quote in the New Testament. God has an ability to do a thing that us humans are not able. And that is voluntary forgetfulness. We may have, we may have involuntary forgetfulness. But God says, I, I will remember their sins no more. That is a miracle, a, a work of grace. Something I think should uh, inspire us to, to walk in the power of God. And in the purification, the cleansing that comes to us. With the realization that God has forgiven our sins. Do we believe in that? And in believing of that, does it activate us into his service in love, in faith, in loyalty to him?
I believe it can and it does. And so another highlight I would like to just pick up on a, a Monday Monday night, uh, Brother Nathan Good shared a, a devotional with us from um, some thoughts he, he gave concerning the songs. And his, his gentle encouragement was maybe to, for us as pastors and teachers and, and others, all of us, I guess, as well, is to consider um, maybe teaching from the Psalms. The, the, the things that are in there, the meditations, and he, and he went through it and picked out some various, um, some various verses from chapters about 122 to 133. He just didn't read the whole thing, but he brought that out. And um, as he was speaking, I, I thought of a, of a verse that would support what Brother Nathan was, was communicating with us brethren there that evening. And that is uh, Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in Psalms. And I thought, you know, well, right there, why doesn't he tell us that, you know, in the New Testament we have that? Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Might start at, at verse 17. It says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, I think this is, this understanding is not something that just all of a sudden we fall into it. It just comes upon us and we have understanding. Yes, that can happen in, in a measure, but I believe it means we are to pursue the things of God. We are to, to press into and contend for the understanding. The, the understanding of our, our minds and our hearts being enlightened to the word of God, being renewed in the spirit to the things of God. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Notice it contrasts drunkenness, excessive um, indulgences in the flesh with the spirit. How many uh, of, uh, I'm sure you've heard the, the thought or the expression where, you know, you, you take in, you take in alcohol and you drink to, to get rid of your problems. You know, do people do that? I think maybe that's an escape that they have for that. How much better would it be to walk in the spirit? I think there's the other side of the spectrum, the spirit of God, we walk in that, it, it takes care of our problems. He will deliver us from evil. And sometimes the evil is just our own mind working overtime. Worry, fear, anxiety. It says to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms. Speaking to yourselves in hymns. Speaking to yourselves in spiritual songs. Now we usually apply this verse to the, the effort of singing and music. But that's not what it says at first. It does go into singing, but at first it says to speak to yourself in songs. How many of us talk to ourselves? <laughs> Is that good to do? Now, if or when you, 
you find yourself talking to yourself, what usually is the nature of that conversation? Is it negative or positive? I think in many regards that things may provoke us to speak even when nobody's around. And often it's in a negative way. And out of our, our mouth comes cursing rather than blessing, as it talks about in James. But do we ever talk to inanimate objects? That's a whole study in itself. You know, the world was created by the word of God. And as such, I believe it, re it can respond even now to the word of God. Jesus often spoke to inanimate objects. He spoke to a fig tree. He spoke to the winds and the wave. He addressed them. That's not my subject for, the, for this morning, but, you know, a, a brother in our, our class this morning mentioned that how he witnessed where an individual began to speak and to bless an object on, a, on, on behalf of a, a person that had, had seemingly lost his phone. And so he, he began to bless the phone and speak to that. And maybe, maybe there's a, a word of knowledge for that for us here today. But it might take it to another very similar um, passage to, to this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms. I'm just going to stop there. The psalms. I don't think it's limited to that. But I believe this is a speaking uh, assignment here when we admonish, when we teach. I'm not thinking of singing. Now, it can happen through singing. But I think it's, it means to speak to one another, maybe speaking to ourselves in these ways. And you know, music, I'm, I'm not just trying to discount the, the role of music or the value of it. If, if you study, I think it's First Chronicles 25, you'll see that music has the potential. It has a, it has a prophetic uh, ability to it. And the people in, the, in that chapter, it, it talks about they went out and they prophesied with their harps and with music. And, and David was in charge of that, and it was a good thing in the sight of the Lord. I notice in Colossians, it says, let the word of Christ, and I believe it, it's equating the word of Christ with the Psalms. That is how we partake of God's word. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I enjoy singing. Um, I put myself into it in my younger years. I, I thought music was where it was at. That was it. That was where you found um, the key to living is through music. And I haven't given that up. Um, the, the Lord has called me more to a speaking assignments. And it seems along with that, maybe my singing voice has, has declined so maybe that's all working together for the good. 
There is a song I thought I would like to try for us to sing here this, this morning. How many of you know, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness? I figured Brother Tim would know it. Um, I had thought maybe to sing this song at, a, at one of our earlier get-togethers where we were singing and, and doing that type of thing. And I mentioned it to a, a, one of the brothers, and he said, well, he doesn't know that song. And so that kind of put up a red flag in my spirit. Well, maybe I'm, I go back far enough, I know some of this music nobody else knows. And I'd kind of hate to, to lead a song that nobody knows. So do you know the song, Garment of Praise for the Spirit of Heaviness? Lift up your voice to God. Praise with the Spirit and with understanding, O oh, magnify the Lord. Let's try to sing this song. And if it doesn't go well, we'll, we'll um, maybe try later and bring some music for it. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. Praise with the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. All ye that mourn in Zion, I have authority. Jesus says, I have authority, or the thought is contained in there, I have authority, that came from the anointing. I am anointed to do this. And I believe it's not just the Lord Jesus. He has bestowed upon us that same authority to speak the oil of joy, the oil of gladness into people's lives for those that mourn, to comfort those who mourn, in Zion, to speak that word, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring about spiritual power, overcoming power into your life, even when you may not feel it. But as you speak that word, I believe it can drive out principalities and powers. As a Christian, you have authority to proclaim freedom. 
to proclaim these things. We are not the children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Romans 6.22 says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. I think in declaring the things of God, maybe just in our own words, we, not, we may not have to get it right verbatim per scripture. Now, I think that's, that can be valuable, but let's put the, the scripture into our own words to declare to the world around us the things of God. And by and large, when we do that, we are declaring the word of God. And I believe the word of God still has creative power. Speaking to yourselves. You know, there's, there's things in Scripture that I feel I have not attained unto in their capacity, into the fullness of, of what Jesus has told us. John 14, 14, If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That sounds a little fantastical. Sounds a little almost, you could say, preposterous. But I believe Jesus told us these things for a reason. And I think it's a little bit like the gospel that we hear. The gospel is correct as we hear it, but it is not complete until it's working through us. In the same way that the truth of what Jesus said, it is correct. It is true, but it is not complete until he is working that through us by faith. There's a lot of pressing into the truth of God's word that I believe we stand in need of. And me and my small efforts to do this, sometimes I'll, I will just say things from the Psalms. Now, I was, I was talking to a brother from another area, and we were having this conversation along these lines of, of emphasizing the importance of of, of claiming or declaring the word of God in, in the face of anxiety or sickness or trouble and difficulty. And so I said, I told this brother, sometimes I'll just, I'll just say, there shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. If I hear bad news, I'll just say that. I'll just speak that. And he, he thought a little bit and then he said, is that in the New Testament? almost, you know, um, insinuating that unless it's in the New Testament, we can't really claim it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that the only truth or the promises from the Word of God are only available from the New Testament. It is the New Testament that tells us to speak to ourselves in songs. Speaking to yourselves in songs. Well, let's, let's do a, a little bit of this yet as we have time here. Psalm 128. Let me take you to Psalms 128. Verse 1. It says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the, the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. 
thou shalt eat the labor of my hands. I'm reminded of another passage in scripture where it describes the wicked and how that their labor is just going to go down the drain. It gave that thought. Their labor is not going to accomplish anything. But with the righteous, not only shall it be well with them, but it says they shall be happy. They shall be happy. The pursuit of happiness. Right there you have it. Isaiah 3. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 3. This is not the Psalms, but it's very similar to this same thought. Verse 10. And you have a lot of admonition here concerning the wicked, the idolatry, and the judgment, and the haughtiness of man, and the pride of man that in, takes up most of that chapter. But here in verse 10, you have a little window of activity into the way of the righteous. It says, say ye to the righteous. Say ye to the righteous. You could say, speak to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. <clears throat> this is not just an Old Testament teaching. Let's go to 1 Peter. Some people might say, well, I don't believe in a prosperity gospel. Well, it, it depends on how you define prosperity. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. And let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Verse 13 says, Who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? I think that question is more of a statement than it is a question. But let's balance that out. Let's keep going here, verse 14, a little bit. It says, but, and if ye suffer. Oh, we have suffering, even in the midst of goodness of the Lord. If ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. It's a win-win. There again, happy are ye if ye suffer for righteousness' sake. Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Another, I would call a fairly strong um, emphasis on this same thought of prosperity is found in, in, the, in the third book of John. The third epistle of John. We're getting down to where in, in his writings, the chapters got smaller and smaller. But First uh, John, First John, chapter three, verse two. And if this was the only verse in this chapter, I would be glad for that verse because it says, "Beloved." John says, "I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health." 
even as thy soul prospereth. So the latter part of that verse, he's speaking to the soul. The first part of that verse, he is speaking to the prospering of something outside the soul. And I think his wish, his desire of the Apostle John that wrote this passage under the inspiration of God, I think it is could, could well be said that corresponds to God's will and God's wish upon our life. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health. This is a faith we walk in that God is good. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I hope as people of God we can claim the promises of God, the truth of God, in faith, even if it sounds out of bounds, a little bit more than we can believe. There's a lot that's too good to believe, and so we just do the best we can in the sight of God. Knowing that could bring upon us affliction. It, it, it could bring things our way that maybe we didn't anticipate. I thought in our Sunday school, in our discussion about Elisha, he wanted a double portion of the Spirit of God. Did he really know what he was asking for? He may have seen the good that that came from being with Elijah. The miracles, the, the supernatural effect that had on, on the life, the good that it brought to that. And he said, I want that. I want that, Lord. Whatever that is, give it to me, a double portion. But did he realize that that spirit of God and that anointing upon his life might bring some things very difficult into his experience in regard to trusting the Lord in the raising up of that woman's son. I say the things that men of faith went through were not always easy. They made it look easy. They carried out the will of God to the best of their knowledge. But I think they may have often walked in a certain amount of uncertainty. And in that uncertainty and through, through faith and through patience, they inherited the promises, even as we can today, and see the, the fruition of their faith come to pass. You know, Psalms 91, verse 10, There shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. There is a prerequisite for that. That doesn't just automatically happen, because if you go back, Let's go to Psalm 91, verse, verse 9. There is a, pre a prerequisite or a requirement for this promise to be claimed. It says, verse 9, because, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Because thou hast made the Lord thy habitation is the, the gist of that verse. That is the requirement. To abide under the shadow of the Almighty, to abide in the habitation of the Lord, under his wings, where we can hear that still small voice speak those words of confidence and truth to our lives. I think that's a place where the Lord would have us to walk. Verse 15 
verse 14. Here's, here again is a, is a requirement to be able to claim the next verse. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him, saith the Lord. Are we setting our love upon the Lord? Is that our first love? God says, if that's the case, I will be with him, I will deliver him, I will set him on high because he hath known my name. I will answer him in time of trouble. I will be with him. I will deliver him and honor him. I trust we can speak those blessings over ourselves as Mennonites, as Christians, as believers in the day in which we live. The love of God. We have this verse here behind us, John 13.35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples because you have love. I have to admit that is a struggle for me, to love. What is it? What does it mean? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? What accompanies the love that God is speaking to here? Some people say, well, if we had more love, this would happen. If we had more love, it would look like this. And things are bad because we don't have love. Love is this. Love is that. You know, my encouragement is to start where you are. God can work with whatever seeds of truth are presently residing in your heart. But I have to think of, a, of another writing by John. John chapter, it's 1 John chapter um, 4, verse 17. Herein, herein is our love made perfect. Do you know what it is? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That's what love will do for you. It will bring a boldness to your spirit. In the day of judgment, in the day of uncertainty, I trust that is God's call upon your life and that he may make that truth evident in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for giving of your son and the giving of the sacrifice and all that went through, that he was bruised for our transgressions and by his stripes we are healed. We claim healing in spirit, soul, and body here today, Father God, and we pray your special blessing on this people, on this congregation. We pray your blessing on the, on the words of truth as it goes forth and bring that it would bring forth a rich harvest in our lives, that we could be loving, that we could be kind one to another, that we could allow the gentleness of the Holy Spirit upon our life to bring forth fruit unto righteousness and holiness. That you would purify our minds and cleanse our hearts to bring this about so that you can fill us with that which is needed, the good things. That we may indeed see the fruit of our labors and the promises brought forth in our life in living sacrifices before you as people of God. We just thank you now for each one and we speak life and the goodness of God, healing and strength to face the things in our life that we go through and the things you would bring to us. And may we do this in faith and in simplicity and in the power of Christ.
For we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. We ask our song leader to lead us in this song.